Hello. Welcome back to Bloodthirsty Times. My name is Will. And I'm Emily. And hanging out in the caboose. Choo choo. Octavio. <laughs> That's the front. That's okay. <laughs> and today we are discussing the Soder home fire and the disappearance of five of their children. So grab a pop and leave your shoes behind because I said, oh Lord Jesus, it's a fire. <laughs> Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. They are a product of the times and these are bloodthirsty times. Welcome back, everybody, to the one-year anniversary of Bloodthirsty Times. To the day. I mean, this is a pretty big accomplishment, I think, that we actually made it to this day, and we uh, we are recording on this day. We didn't release yesterday because today, the 7th, is actually our, our uh, anniversary, so we wanted to wait to record on today. So, uh, congratulations, everybody. Yeah. Congratulations, guys. Oh, please stop. Uh, no, it's, please. It's, it's, too, it's much. too much. It's too, too much. much. Please. It's too kind. Please. No, too kind. no, please. Oh, thank Let's you. Sit the fuck you. down. Sit the fuck down. Yeah. Shut up, everybody. Shut up. Let's do a podcast. Yeah, man. I mean, this, we talked about it a little bit last last week, but this year has flown by. It, it has, like, week to week. It's like, I can't believe we're actually to this point. And, like, I, I would hope, and I think we are, you know, episode one, Richard Chase to now vastly different podcast, two completely different podcasts. And uh, every week we try to grow and learn more and do better every week. And hopefully you guys think that we have done that. But, you know, it's it's been a ride and I hope to keep going for a long time. Yeah, it's been a fun year. Obviously, you can tell that uh, changed up the intro a little bit. We're going a different route. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those that have listened to us for a year don't need our uh, warning intro. Yeah. And those that are new will catch on pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the disclaimer was just, we decided to leave that the first year because I just, at this point, like Will said, you know what you're getting into, okay? All right? You should know by now. Yeah, we talk about shit. We make fun of shit. Shit. It might not be for you. See you later. There's a door. <laughs> we hope it is for you. So stay. Yeah, we do. So stay. We'll welcome you onto our couch. And listen to our soothing voices tell crime stories. Ah, yes. Good old crime stories. <sighs> I'm glad Richard's Anyways, back. Richard yeah, was Rick- on a hiatus for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for a long, a couple episodes there, we went ham on details. So, mm-hmm. yeah. This will be a, also. Uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying, also. Uh, we have another co-host who hasn't said anything so far. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like struggling to breathe over here, and I'm trying to get our oh, yeah, you're under the backstage weather. She's, people to bring me. You guys should see spring. her. You guys should see her. She's bundled up in like a blanket, like up to her head, and she's like trying her best not to shiver to death. She's uh she's feeling under the weather, but she's a champ, and she's here with us either way. Hell yeah! If I could get my backstage um folks to read their texts and give me what I need, I'd be set. You're relying on a 12 and six year old for that. Cool. Yeah. He brought me um, a wallflower plug in when I asked him to bring me nose spray. If that makes any 
difference in See, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't you. expect any different, but <laughs> <laughs> I got it. One second. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. we doing the damn thing. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's See go. The and uh, there's a there's a twist to the intro now. We hope you catch on. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. Hopefully, you catch on after a few episodes. What the twist is gonna be to their oh, yeah. new intro. Yeah. I think if there's, well, yeah, I think people will catch on. Yeah, pretty pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, I think by next mm-hmm. episode they'll be like, huh? Yeah, I got huh. it. <laughs> Nailed it. What? Wait, what? But at least by episode that great, right. definitely yes. episode three. Yeah. Then if you didn't catch on, I'm I'm so sorry. Well, actually, episode three is going to be my first episode of year two, and I'm going with a uh, mysterious circumstances episode because we haven't done one of those in a long time, and I feel like it's about that time. And uh, I'm hoping we haven't. We I've, I've kind of asked them, but I, I think this is going to be me asking them right now because I know they listen. So, oh, you're going to ask them I yes, paranormal podcast. Uh, would you guys please do me the honor of going to third episode prom with me? <laughs> Please say yes. That was so lame. You I'm just a boy me. looking oh at a God. girl. I I actually have a stereo above my head at, at outside of your window. Baby, come back. How much yeah. the food for you? You know, kids these days make signs. Yeah. Yeah. I, seen them. I did that. I did that in high school, though. I'm, I'm going to make a poster. Your child. I asked a... Uh, who was my girlfriend at the time out to a dance um, by taking Polaroid pictures of things that look like letters. And then I pasted Aww. them onto a board. Oh. So there was a bunch of Polaroids. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was pretty good. So yeah. sweet. I really my outdid God. myself and I, I haven't been able to get to that. I haven't, that been, haven't, been, haven't been able to do it since. Yeah. You really set the bar too high, too young. Way Octavio too high, way too young. To Octavio, you've got to step up now. Uh, yeah, but he's married, so... Mm, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you know this, Emily, but I am a married man. That ship has sailed? But it could also <laughs> dock, and then we could discuss papers, okay? Oh, I love no, no, docking. No, we don't talk about docking. <laughs> no, I, no, I love docking. <laughs> it's <PG>. No! <laughs> All right, Richard gave up on us, so it's time to yeah, go. Yeah, she's like, All right, you guys are ridiculous. <laughs> Anyways. All right, this is a... Uh, what is this? This is a disappearance and mysterious uh, circumstances. I don't know. This is a cold story. It's a mix of things. It's a lot of things. It's a conspiracy. Emily's right about that. It's a disappearance, possible murder, uh, sudden death. I don't know. It's it's everything. But it's going to be fun because we're all going to get to insert our own thoughts. on this. I love inserting myself. Yeah. I'm docking and inserting. (laughs) I hate both of you. Uh, We're going to finger some people in this episode. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's my favorite that's my personal favorite yeah fingering yeah i'm gonna spit my smoothie all over my microphone and thing. more than one person i like to finger multiple people oh yeah we're gonna finger like everybody we can get our hands on yeah. dudes children Ma- fucking the we mafia. might need to make the a mafia. new disclaimer now that you guys have taken the other one off because <laughs> it's about fingering so no, the, the disclaimer the disclaimer is just warning fingering yeah. <laughs> you're entering the finger bang zone the, the <laughs> finger bang bang bing bong uh, mm-hmm. anyways yes shall we yeah let's do it all I'm right ready. <clears throat> you guys ready to go to fayetteville 
That's yes, that is correct. Thank you for saying it right. I know how to say other cities outside of Los Angeles. Okay. Mm. So you don't know how to say Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Or actually, sorry, sorry Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. The city of angels. We're going to have Careful. a history lesson one day, and I'm going to quiz you on how to say cities around the world or states. Oh, I'll nail it. I could type one in right now and see if you could say it. Do it as I talk. Um, but we're going to Fayetteville, West Virginia, home, if you didn't know, of Tooney mm-hmm. Hunsacker. Oh, Tooney Hunsacker, right. He's the he's a dude who created that thing. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. out of uh, Fayetteville. The, the 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 parts of that plane in uh, DB Cooper uh, the uh, oh yeah yeah the combob- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um but he was a boxer um and Emily oh, okay. that city is Gautier nope that's cor- incorrect it is Gautier that says Gautier Gautier is spelled differently but it was dumbed down a long 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 time ago uh, I'm I'm just gonna call it Guter and if you didn't know it's spelled G A U T I E R so I'm calling that's- it Guter. That's where I'm from. I grew and up it there is until pronounced Gaucher. Or Gauche. guitar, if you're from here. <laughs> Anyways. Lovely. That. Sounds like a lovely place to live. It's not at all. But also, if you didn't know, Fayetteville was listed in the top 10 coolest small towns in America in 2006. Oh, cool. Yeah. You can't see me, but I'm have a, a literal thumbs up right Two now. Cool. Thumbs <laughs> up. Also, little Snapple fact for you. Uh, it was mm-hmm. the best river town in 2013. Oh, hell yeah. I love river towns in 2013. Yeah. Shout out to my family that lives there now and has what? for a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, family? Yep. In Fa- Fayetteville? In Fayetteville? Yep. Huh. Did you ask them about this? Uh, nope. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that would have been cool. That would have been cool. They, <laughs> you were absolutely right. Man, really uh, hindsight on that one. Huh? Yeah, oh, by the way, they live there. Oh, they know about the Soder family? No, no I didn't ask them. They, huh? don't, no, they don't know that. Like, they weren't alive then. I know, but there was a billboard that had been up for ever a along for a, major, a major highway. And it came down in 89. It was up for a long time. Yeah. They, they weren't born in 89 either. So um, no. They would know about it. It's a pretty famous thing. Okay, I'll ask them privately. We'll get okay, ask them after. Okay. And then we'll add onto it. Um, but yeah, but this story doesn't place in, take, take place in 2013. Nah. Mm. Taking a time machine back to 1945 at the end of World War Dose to learn. World War II. Oh, World War II. <laughs> uh, to learn about this story. I think the other one was World War First. Oh, I yeah. The other World one. War First and World yeah. War II. My bad. But let's go. Let's get in that time machine. Now, I probably don't need to go into great detail on World War the Second or mm-hmm. the atrocities that took place that followed uh, uh, the war, but America was on their high horse, right? Oh, yeah, we were. They defeated the biggest monster we had seen in those times. The Huns. The Nazis. Oh, okay, the Nazis. The Huns were second. Nazis were first. Mm. Well, okay. besides Godzilla, of course. <laughs> we don't. We don't talk. We about don't it. talk about. Godzilla. We don't talk about Godzilla. But mm. I, but I digress. <laughs> now George Soder or Giorgio Sodu. Wait, is that Italian? Yeah, Giorgio Sodu. Giorgio Sodu. Giorgio Sodu. Arrivederci. Okay. Um. Mm. 
Born in 1895 in Tula, <laughs> Sardinia. <laughs> what? What I miss? I something? 18,018 or 895. Born in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to help, but I couldn't remember yeah. the number to delete. Nope, but I can read my own writing, and it's 1895 uh, in Tula, Sardinia, which yeah. isn't on the mainland. It's on an island just west of the Italian mainland. Hmm. And I couldn't find a name of the islands. You know, I'm an idiot. Or it's just not no. listed. But there's two islands uh, that sit in the Mediterranean just to the, uh, the west of uh, Italy, and they're part of Italy, I guess? They're like... Yeah. Provinces? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so that's where he lived. And yeah. when he was 13, he immigrated to the United States. God. <laughs> he immigrated to the United States in 1908 by way of Ellis Island with his older brother. Now his brother, upon making landfall, noped the fuck out of America right back to Italy. <laughs> Left his brother to fend for himself. What's funny is that if you had not said it that way, I was going to say he noped the fuck out of me. (laughs) I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. So George, upon being left alone, immediately set off to start making some gabagula. 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 Uh, Mostly, and in the beginning, was just delivering water and other supplies to the track laborers for the Pennsylvania Railroad. And then after a few years of enduring that torture, he moved to Smithers, West Virginia. Um, he hasn't entered the Fayetteville area yet. He's, he was in New York in the Pennsylvania area. Now he's moving down to Smithers, West Virginia, which is just southeast of Charleston, tucked alongside the Kanawha River. So it's a um, tiny, I, tiny. I just received word that a Tula Sardinia is a commune in the province of Sassari, in the Italian region Sardinia, located about 170 kilometers north of Cagliari and about 35 kilometers east of Sassari. Sassari. He does better uh, at the names, and I just wanted to send the info, so we had it. Can you put Here that in, in imperial measurements? I don't know kilometers, sir. Uh, dude, that's all, I can. that's all I can do. Give me one second, <laughs> sir. So as of... About uh, 15,000 millimeters north. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> so as of... Uh, this says... The internet here says as of December 31st, 2004, so a long time ago, mm-hmm. it had a population of 1,664 people and an area of 65.6 square kilometers. So, you know. Those are just numbers in my head. I'm like, that is that a lot of people for a small area or a small amount of people for, that for size a large of that area? Island, <laughs> for the size of that island, yes, that's a lot of people. Yeah. And 170 kilometers is 105.6 miles. Oh, thank you. Mm. Math. As the crow flies. Now, sick of being just another nobody, he had ambitions of greatness and started driving for a local trucking company before eventually owning his own trucking company, which would start with just delivering dirt for construction projects before eventually going after the bigger fishes and started delivering freight and coal. Ah, yes, the American dream. Yeah, delivering coal. Go from driving a truck to owning the truck. Yes. America. American dream. America. I think we're going Eastern European now. Yep. That was Fez. Fez? Oh, okay. America. America. 
I would yeah. really like to know how much um, cash he had in his pocket when he got off at Ellis Island. Uh, he was 13. Huge thing. He was 13. It doesn't matter. They all have at least $7 in their pocket, okay? Mm, two anchovies. Every single one of them. Yeah, yeah. Two anchovies. Just for trade. Sounds like he a plan. Two sticks to rub together. Yeah. <laughs> and a toothpick. Mm -hmm. Never know when that will come in handy. Mm. Yeah, that, that kills me. A lot of the uh, videos and, and other uh, podcasts I've heard on this subject are like, uh, he had like a terrible secret. Or, like, he, he won't talk about his past. Like, bitch, he was 13. What's he going to talk about? Yeah, the one thing they they do like mention is like, oh, he never talked about his childhood and why he left Italy. It's like, it's like oh, yeah, why it was... a lot of people left Italy. You're living on a tiny ass fucking island. And you hear about the greatness happening in America. Yeah. You want to go there. If they only knew. If they only knew what they know now. Well, I mean, he's living the American dream. I got to give it to him. He he went from having not even two sticks rubbed together to being, like, really upper middle class. So he, he's he's actually doing the damn thing. He did mm -hmm. do the damn thing. Yeah. Now, one day, George entered a local store called The Music Box. Now, what they sold there is still a mystery. Thank you, Emily, for laughing at that. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately fell in love with the shopkeeper's daughter, Jenny Cipriani, who had also immigrated to the United States from Italy, although she was three when she immigrated. He was 13. But they're still Italian immigrants. And they would eventually get married and then procreate like rabbits, having 10 children between 1923 and 1943. Holy shit. <laughs> shit, that's a lot of kids. That's a lot to meet the ball. <laughs> Too much pizza. Every time I do even that remote accent, I have to put my fingers. I literally. <laughs> I do, I'm do literally that. doing it. <laughs> I feel like it helps the accent if you do the hand gesture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like anytime I do a German accent. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> what do you do with the German accent? Nothing. Nothing. Drink? Nothing. I do nothing. Mm, nothing. No hand gestures at all. Nope. No. I'm not I'm trying to block the sun out of my eyes. <laughs> my right no. arm. He's, he's telling you how far away something is. Yeah. I'm pointing to Uranus. Oh, Jesus. Pete's. In any case. Need to turn around for that. <laughs> they chose. I showed her what hand gesture. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to go with the drinking, okay? He went somewhere else. Well, drinking, yes. That's every day. I'm not German every day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they chose Fayetteville to settle down uh, because it had a small but active Italian immigrant community, so it felt more like home to them. Now, George continued his trucking business, and the sodas were described as one of the most respected middle-class families around. Yes. <laughs> Now, George was not subtle with his opinions on many things, including business, and he was even more open with his opinions on Mussolini, who you could probably guess he was not a fan of. And this was a, 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 like, a, a, like a dividing opinion in the community, because you, right. you had people that loved um, mm -hmm. Mussolini, and then you had others that despised them. There was really no in-between, and so it created this divide in the the community there based on right. if they like Mussolini or they didn't. 
Well, because uh, Mussolini's reign was, if I remember, like 25 to fucking, I don't know. I guess 1945 would make sense because that's when they lost World War II. Yeah, I think just... But, uh, I, yeah, but I think... He died uh, in 1945. Yeah, he didn't just yeah, die. He got brutally oh, yeah. murdered oh, and yeah. strung up. Yeah, he... Uh, the Italian people... He got Gaddafi. Remember there was... Before he was Gaddafi, the, he got, got Gaddafi. He got Gaddafi. <laughs> he got he was Gaddafi. the fascist dictator of Italy from 1925 to 1945. Yeah, I got that right. Uh, yeah, but he... Uh, I, what joke is? I feel like it was uh, something on How I Met Your Mother or something, where like, uh, why are you afraid of your grandma? And he's like, well, let's just say she was there to spit on Mussolini's body while he was hanging, <laughs> you know. So, uh, yeah, people, because we're active at this point, we're actively at war with Italy and you know the um, the Axis powers. So the opinions of Italian Americans at this point are either fuck yeah Mussolini or die Mussolini like there's no in between yeah it was a big divide and he was mm-hmm. on the fuck Mussolini side and so everyone should have been yeah I found some five just... things he did good what <laughs> please do build roads bridges buildings sports installations and he remade many parts of our Italy so and how many people did he kill to achieve that that sounds like Kim Jong-un <laughs> You can list five things Kim Kim Jong-il did well. It's like, oh, yeah, he built a bunch of roads, and he put up some buildings. (laughs) Oh, 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 he also put in that new sports arena. Yeah, there you go. Where everyone can go play soccer. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's a fucked up man who did a lot of fucked up shit. I just think it's funny that they point out that he built bridges and roads, and that's a positive. Like, that should be happening regardless. It should. Hmm. But again, I this digress. was the, yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. That's trademarked. Yeah, trademarked. Like you, I will charge you twenty dollars every time you say it. Shit, sorry, won't happen again, sir. All right. Well, despite all of this, George, and again, we kind of discussed it. He didn't divulge why he left Italy as a youth, and he kept that information pretty close to his chest. Like again, there's... he was fucking thirteen. Yeah, but at thirteen, you should like have an understanding of if your country's fucked or not i guess very much so and like we have a 12 year old who if this wasn't the same situation like he had parents i mean he saw what was happening to his country and he knew that this was a better life yeah but see the thing is like a lot of the uh people who talk about this in a conspiratorial way point to him not knowing or talking about his past meaning that the mob connection is there because they have that uh silence I forgot what it's called. There's a word for what? The uh, wall of silence. Uh, silencio. No. Yeah, it's it's something where it's like you don't. Different. If you're part of the mob, you don't talk about being part of the mob at all ever, especially if you leave it. So, and also there's the a, a couple conspiracy people out there think that um, George got here and he's like fuck yeah America, but his brother got here is like oh shit I got to go back because the mob's gonna fucking kill me or if they find me. So that they think like they put that twist on it. Mm. But again, he was 13. How involved in the mob? I mean, I don't, it's 1895. I, I, well, obviously, maybe I, you haven't watched maybe, Goodfellas. I can't I've, say this word, but too I many it. times. <laughs> too many times. What is it? It's Omerta. 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 That's the code of silence. Yeah. According That's the code of silence for the mob. Researchers, yeah. Antonio Culero. No. <laughs> Kutera. <laughs> Kutera. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, but I just, 
I, I guess in 1895, a 13 year old is a man, I guess. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Probably. So, yeah, I mean, he might have a past. He might've been, I mean, like in Goodfellas, they, they, uh, have the younger boy do errands for them and then yeah, sell cigarettes. Yeah. So maybe he was doing stuff like that, but to have like i I'm not going to talk about my past. It's too rough type of thing. I, it's too much to put on a 13 year old, no matter what year it is. Well, I think in my opinion, plus you look at like where he grew up, he wasn't mainland Italy. He was just on a small Island. So what? He's just an Island boy, but he was what, also uh... probably sheltered from a lot of things going on by his parents. And at that time was just told like everyone at that time was going and they were making their way to Ellis Island to get a better life, start a better life with their two sardines, two sticks, two toothpicks, two dollars, whatever in their pockets. This was the thing at that time. So it wasn't like a, like, don't talk about it. It was just kind of like, I'm starting a life and this is what I was told to do. And most parents sent their kids at this age by themselves and they just did it. And maybe they don't have a lot to talk about. I don't know. Yeah, but can you imagine sending our 12-year-old across the Hell ocean? Hell no. I tried to send <laughs> him to the be, freaking like, bedroom a second ago like, to the freaking nightstand, and he couldn't help do that. <laughs> like if China was the new Ellis Island, it's like, all right, we're sending you to, <laughs> sending you to I was going to say Tokyo, but it's Japan. I'm an idiot. Uh, Hong Kong? Right. Hong Kong. That'll work. Uh, and just being there and not knowing the language and just like, good luck. Yep, have fun. I want to have faith and say he would adapt, but I'm scared to death that he would just, like, jump off the ship midway. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, let's try it. Okay. Now, the Soders celebrated Christmas just like any other family would and got together as a family for Christmas Eve. Now, nine of their ten children were home to celebrate. John... 23, George Jr., who was 16, Marion, 17, Sylvia, 3, Maurice, 14, Martha, 12, Louis, they're Italian, mm-hmm. 9, Jenny, 8, and their five year old daughter, Betty. Now, there was one missing their 21 year old son, Joe, uh, but he was still out on active uh, army duty. Even though World War II had been won, with Japan finally surrendering on September 2nd, and peace declared in December, because they're saying technically the war ended December, but it was when Japan... It was when they dropped the bombs. <laughs> well, it's when Japan finally said, all right, no more. And signed, because we dropped bombs on them. Yeah, yeah. Two. Giant atomic bombs, little boy and fat man. And uh, destroyed... Hiroshima. Do you, hear, and do you ever hear that story about that one guy who was like in Nagasaki when the first one dropped, or whichever one was first, and then like he traveled the two hours to Hiroshima? Oh yeah, when the second <laughs> one dropped. <laughs> like that that guy is like God has it out for me. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> oh shit! All right, I'm running away, and then he shows up at Hiroshima, and he's like, oh shit! Oh, it's Godzilla. Oh, Godzilla. I am so scared. <laughs> oh, whoa. Whoa. I feel like that one's offensive. I don't know. Mm. Could just be me. I don't know. I feel like that one's offensive. Do we have any listeners in Japan? I don't think so. Um, That's not on the... Well, besides my cousins. Are they Japanese? But, Japanese. No, they're, no, they're Puerto Rican. Oh, okay. They're Puerto Rican. <laughs> but either way, I mean, we're okay, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, but... Uh, so their son was still out on active duty. 
Even though he should have been, I, he probably came home shortly thereafter. I would say, but there's not. A, but there's like nothing. There's nothing. Not his name. Not where he went afterwards. There's nothing nope, about this guy. Nope, just hey, there's one missing. Joe. Yeah, he was in the army. Like his, like his uncle, he noped on out of there. Yep. Hell nah. But enough about the war. Um, so this is Christmas Eve, and Mary and their oldest daughter had returned home that night from her job at the local dime store with some gifts for her sister. Sisters. It's a surprise. Mm-hmm. And they were eager to play with their new toys, so they asked their mom if they could stay up late. Begrudgingly, she allowed it. And around 10 p.m., Jenny told the girls that they could stay up as long as their brothers, Maurice and Louis, remembered to put the cows in their pens and feed the chickens before they turned in for the night. Now, John, George Jr., and George were already fast asleep after spending the day working. So Jenny bid the kids goodnight and took Sylvia upstairs with her to bed. At about 12.30 a.m., Jenny was startled awake by the telephone ringing downstairs. And this is a 1945 telephone. Mm. That'll wake that'll wake your ass up. <laughs> yeah, the pressure is just a bunch of alarm bells. <laughs> yeah. It's loud. Um, and there's a, just this is 1945. So even if they were an upper middle class, they have one phone like in the center of the house or in the kitchen, and she has to, like run downstairs. Yeah, at, from a, dead sleep. It had 12:30 a cord in the morning. That was probably 50 feet long too. <laughs> No, I think they use that more for business. It's not like when our moms were growing up and they would be in the kitchen like twirling around with the cable. Nope, my, you know, my mom's phone in their house was like 50 feet long. That's so. that's what I'm saying. They didn't need that. Back in 45, it was all business. Like, hello? Yes? Okay, bye. You know, not like, oh my God, didn't you hear? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they had the... This. That bitch down the street, you know? Like, the one that you dial with your finger, like you have to... Yeah, let the, yeah. yeah. Rotary. Rotary. The rotary phone. Yeah. Rotary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, funny enough, I had one at my house when I was growing up. So did I. Yeah. Yeah. I think I like, well, this thing's fun to play with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes cool sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 1230 phone goes off. She runs downstairs and answers it, but she didn't recognize the woman's voice on the other end, nor the name that she was asking for. Jenny could hear the sound of laughter and glasses clinking together in the background. And thinking this was some sort of prank call, she told the woman, we have the wrong number, but Jenny could distinctly remember the woman's weird laugh at the end of the conversation. Now, as she hung up the phone, yeah, it was, it was a, yeah, like it sounded like someone called from a bar and it's just a party going on in the background. Yeah. Yeah. People talking in the background, glasses clinking, and then, you know, telling her you have the wrong number, then having a weird laugh. It's creepy. Yeah. It's weird. Now, as she hung up the phone, she noticed that all of the lights were still on in the house. The curtains were left open, and the front door was unlocked. Now, this was strange to Jenny because her kids were really good at locking the house up and turning off the lights if they stayed up later than their parents. Jenny, noticing Marion asleep and assumed the rest of the Rugrats had gone up to bed in the attic, then proceeded to lock up the house, close the curtains, and turn off the lights before heading back to bed. She closed her eyes for 30 minutes before she was awoken again, but by this time, with the sound of a heavy thud on the roof, followed by whatever that object was rolling down. Thinking nothing of it, she went back to bed, only to be woken up yet again, but this time with the smell of smoke. Jenny immediately went to mom mode. She grabbed Sylvia, rushed to wake up George, and now the hallway was already filling up with smoke, 
and flames covered the stairway leading up to the attic where the rest of the children were. Both George and Jenny frantically shouted up to the children with no response. They rushed out the front door and quickly did a head count. The five children who had stayed up late that night had not made it out yet. And with the house turning quickly into an inferno, George couldn't get back into the house through the front door. So he smashed a window open, slicing his arm in the process. Unable to make entry through that window, he remembered a couple things. Sylvia was safe outside, as was Marion, John, and George Jr. And he figured the remaining kids were upstairs in one of the two bedrooms up in the attic. He remembered he had a ladder that was always up against the house, um, alongside uh, one of the uh, one of the sides of the house because they used it for repairs. So he ran to the side of the house, but the ladder was gone. Panic quickly set in, and George went to grab one of his trucks from his trucking company to move to the windows so he could jump in. He went to start up the first truck, dead. He sprinted to the second and tried to turn it over. Dead. Now, as this was happening, Marion had ran to a neighbor's house to call the fire department, and the operator could not be reached at the time to place the call, so the neighbor drove into town and tracked down the then fire chief, F.J. Morris, and he activated what they called the phone tree system back then. And basically, when they activate the phone tree system, uh, they notify one firefighter uh, who then has to notify another firefighter and then they all rush to the firehouse. They didn't live in the firehouse like they do nowadays. Um, and although the station was less than three miles from the scene, they wouldn't arrive until 8 a.m., almost six hours after the fire had originally started. And it didn't really matter that the fire department showed up because the house would eventually burn to the ground in 45 minutes. So the firefighters were no help except to watch the smoldering remains. All right. Hold on, I have something to say. Was, yeah, we have a lot to say about this. Was there There's a lot to unpack system, here. a can attached to a string <laughs> to another home? It sure as fuck seems like it. Uh, no, it's a phone. No way, no way, no way, no way it can be that. But mm-hmm. they have Don't to, it. it's it's basically like a volunteer fire service. Yeah, service. volunteer fire so, service, I get that. But like, but back in 1945. In another country? And they had to respond from there? No, it just <laughs> was difficult trying to get all the firefighters together to respond to the fire. Good Lord. That's insane. Yeah. It's just uh, going back to the beginning of this, though. A lot of things that we're going to talk about, like, as we go along, but it's just, like, one thing after another, just, like, this is wrong, this is wrong. Like, it's just, they they couldn't catch a break that night, no matter what. And I'm sure we're going to break it down as we go along, but it's just, it, it, this is kind of what leads to the conspiracy of it all. Like, just how many things were wrong that night. I wish mm-hmm. I had seen that little tidbit right then and had gotten to look up, like, other fires, not necessarily local but like in the kind of same area where volunteers there there was one shortly after this where uh the house burned down all the way as well and seven people died i mean i'm talking about other fires that not every single time something catches on fire does it take this long imagine like 
today people complain about a four minute response time like back then it was burned to the ground and daylight by the time they were arrived mm-hmm. yeah like did no one have a flashlight i know we'll talk about it a little bit as we go on yeah and there were some contributing factors that the chief had said was one of the reasons why they had a slow mm-hmm. response time but george and jenny at the time just assumed that the remaining five children had perished in the blaze and the fire chief had stated that the slow response time was attributed to a low manpower due to the war and also relying on firefighters to contact each other to respond to the blaze he also stated that he was unable to drive the fire truck he was not qualified uh, which led to the slow response time because he had to wait for a qualified driver before heading to the fire See, I've heard this fact several times where he said he was unable to drive. I kind of always assumed because it was Christmas Eve and he was fucking blitzed out of his mind. That's what I thought, too. That's, I thought that he couldn't drive it because he was like, Drunk. this is not safe for me to drive. Yeah, well, Maybe so that sounded yeah. better to the public than I'm blitzed. He was unable, but that's not accurate, and we know that. Like, yeah, that's not I, how I, that listen, works. Listen, Siders, I, I'd love to respond to your fire right now, but I'm... Two seats to the wind, and I don't. Uh, I can't drive. They actually took my keys, and uh, I don't even know where they are. Have you had eggnog before? It's really good. <laughs> you don't taste alcohol. I I know that you're upset about the house, but this eggnog, you forget oh, it. Oh, the eggnog was so good, though. And Maybe the they were also in a trick. Sugar cookies for Santa. But uh, what is shitty is that he did say that, yes. Seven hours is a long time to respond to something, but which is kind of a valid point. No matter how fast they responded, because the house went down in 30 to 45 minutes, the whole house is in a rubble in 30 to 45 minutes. What could they have done? Yeah. Realistically. So they got there in five minutes, which is not feasible. That's that's not in LA County. In LA County their response time is eight minutes and 59 seconds. So, I mean, if nine minutes, 40, let's say, let's say the, the, to the top number, 45 minutes. So the burning started take, let's say it takes 10 minutes to get help uh, in general. And then another eight minutes to respond. It's about 20 minutes have passed. Half your house is gone. Mm -hmm. And then even at that point, they're just, watching it they also this is also 1945 fire no this is 19 that's about to say this is 1945 fire they don't have the equipment get a water hose from your neighbor's house something the water was frozen he tried yeah the dad went to like a barrel to like a water barrel and it was frozen over this is winter yeah west virginia Mm -mm, don't ink down yeah so it, it it is a bad response time no matter what but realistically nothing would have probably changed aside from how fast they got there, mm-hmm. which again, they they wouldn't even have gone into the fire regardless because they're not equipped for that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, so it's shitty. So we are aware that dad, George, mom, Jenny, Marion, John, George jr. And Sylvia escaped the fire and that left Martha, little Jenny, Betty, Maurice, and Louie, quote-unquote, missing or presumed dead. The fire chief... Yeah, no, the fire chief, when they... They did a... I'm going to call it cursory. They did a glance, like maybe two hours of searching through the rubble. 
um, of a fully burnt down house. They, mm-hmm. they took a poke around, like, nope, no dead body here. I, I don't know. It was they very crude and rudimentary. Intestines and remains. No. Yeah. Um, they didn't. No, I'm not um, saying that's actually what happened. I'm saying that's what he would he told them. He stated. They yeah, stated but, they found remain like some body parts and intestines. How would you find intestines when bones don't necessarily even there. there, but they also don't burn until a certain degree, like actually like cremation style type burning. Well, I, think like, I looked it up. Burn. A house fires like 1200 degrees, like average. Um, and I think it depends the, on the ignite, cremations. Also. Well, it's a wood I, I, based off a of wood structure. I think it said 1200 degrees. Um, but uh, for like a blazing fire like this. And I think they said cremation is like 2000 degrees, right? Something like that. Yeah. We'll, like that. We'll, yeah, we'll and dig they, into they a little it, bit of that as well. They do it for two hours. Anyways, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But it's just, they did, my point was they did a minimum search. They they did the bare minimum to say, yeah, we searched for bodies and didn't find anything. So, you know, give or take two hours of actually trying to find bodies. So they told, oh, yeah, we they're in, they're dead. Yep, they're all dead. Your kid, your kids are dead. Sorry about you. And that was it. That was literally, and then the parents, of course, not thinking anything of it, were like, oh my God, my kids are dead. Because why would, why would the chief just say shit? Yeah, why would we they, think they any would, different? So, right. We didn't see them come out, and the house burned to the ground. They're dead. Emily? Okay, okay so I wasn't sure if Octavia was going to take that part or not. Anyways, the fire mm-hmm. chief Morris told George to leave the site undisturbed so that the state fire marshals could conduct a more thorough investigation. And that is normal to me. I would think that I would want everything done to find my kids and every Mm -hmm. piece of investigation left, you know, alone. However, four days after that, George and his wife, Jenny, could not bear the site anymore. So they bulldozed five feet of dirt over the site with the intentions of converting it into a memorial garden for their lost children. Now, like I said, if I wanted to find out who took slash burned slash sold, kept etc whatever my children i damn sure would not level the home and put dirt over it when i was told that they were burned to death so i'm very confused about the whole thought process in that story and yeah but grief grief is a bitch man especially losing five kids in one night i get it no matter what no matter what they lost five whether they're dead or not they lost five kids in one night like that's a grief i cannot imagine they lost five kids yes lost they were not burned to death like there's just so many things that's why i'm but saying to them they at were the moment yeah. yes and, in the moment properly. this is four days after that where they had just been told by the chief that your kids are ashes that got cremated essentially in the fire so that all they're thinking is these my my five children are dead so i grief is a bitch like i said it, there's no telling what what you're gonna do you're, there really isn't i mean i don't know i'm never grieved at the loss of five children at once but i've also don't think that I'd have time nor the desire to put a memorial garden over my burned down home either. That well, there's been a there's been a number of um, like mass shootings or uh, locations of pretty heinous crimes where they just destroy the building. Yeah, that's fine. I'm saying after the fact, who, like five days, like these people, there are still investigations to go on, and these five kids are still missing, and they need to go through the rubble very like precisely and yeah that's just, what i'm saying like it's the the searching they did was like again cursory like they just barely i would be going through this myself 
piece by piece of dirt, like oh, I get anything okay, I, I wanted to find my kids to make sure that there's proof that they were burned to death. So anyways, the local coroner convened an, an inquest the next day, which held that the fire was an accident caused by faulty wiring. And among the jurors who was the man who had threatened George that the house would be burned down and his children would be quote unquote destroyed in rep- retribution for his anti-Mussolini remarks. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about. We'll this. talk about that later. Yes, my comment yeah. is just. He was part of the close. jury of the yeah, that's, yeah. coroner, the coroner's inquest. Yep. But there was it's this was also crazy. after the day he did this twice. This was the day after because he was pissed that they went and did the dirt pile and wanted to do the memorial garden. So they mm. tried to stop that from happening, and then they didn't care. To, it had already happened at that point. So death certificates were issued for the five children on December 30th. The local newspaper contraindic- contraindicated or contradicted. Sorry, I'm thinking of medical stuff. Yeah, I know. I heard it. Contradicted. Yeah, yeah, contra- <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Contradicted itself, stating that all of the bodies had been found, but then later the same story reported that only one body was recovered. George and Jenny were too grief-stricken to attend the funeral on January 2nd, 1946, although all their surviving children did. Kind of also still weird to me. Why wouldn't you attend your grief stri- I mean, your children's funerals and you were not too upset to build a memorial garden over your home, but you didn't attend your children's funerals. Grief's weird. a motherfucker. Grief is a bitch. Yeah, very, I don't know. Weird. It's it's different covering up a site versus watching your kids. I just find empty caskets at this point. Yeah, uh, be well, put yes. into the ground. But I mean, like saying I your final know. goodbyes, I guess, is probably the most difficult. Definitely, I 100 percent agree with that. I'm just saying, like that also added to my conspiracy theory on this whole thing like the ladder missing from the side of the house the trucks not starting them not going to the funeral them wanting to quickly cover the house burning down with dirt and start a quote-unquote memorial garden you know all these things are adding up to one being part of it or two it truly being because he was making anti-Mussolini remarks and the Italian mafia hated them but we'll get into that we will Now, following the fire, George had started to remember some peculiar events that had happened just before the fire. And a few months prior, in the fall, a man had come to his house asking about some hauling work and had meandered to the back of the house. He pointed to two fuse boxes and said, This is going to cause a fire someday. And although this was weird to George, because he literally just had his electrical wiring checked by a local power company. So I think they, yeah, they got like, a new stove put in and yeah. Yeah. And like so they're, they're upper the middle class. Yeah. Yeah. They're upper middle class. So they bought a new electric stove and they say, you know what? We're going to install all new wiring, brand new. So yeah, they knew it was up to snuff. They, you're right. Yeah. And they're like, um, oh, okay. We just had it checked, but thanks sir. <laughs> and around the same time, a man had come by trying to sell the family life insurance. When George declined, the man went off and told George. Well, he, okay, so they did have life insurance on, on them too. He w- he wanted to sell uh, life insurance for their children. He's like, why would I buy life insurance 
for my kids. They're young. They're not yeah. going to die anytime soon. So that's why he was pissed because he, he wanted to get more out of it. So he's like, I already got you two. I need your kids now because you have fucking 10 kids. But anyways, he said, uh, he got all pissed off. Yeah, he got pissed off. and He said, your goddamn house is going up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. You you're going to pay for the dirty remarks you've been making about Mussolini. Where's the I need the applause. Well done, sir. Uh, sorry. Uh, there you go. Thank you. You got really animated. I should have muted my mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, if that wasn't suspicious enough, one of the older Soder kids recalled seeing a man parked along Highway 21 before Christmas, watching the younger kids just before they got back from school. Creepy. Mm-hmm. Now, following the aftermath of the fire, more reports of odd circumstances started appearing. A telephone repairman had stated that their wires had been cut and not burned in the fire. And that was hinting at the reason why the phone call to the operator didn't go through. I, like, I want to talk about this so bad. Yeah, he's like, no, your wires were cut, sir. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't burn in the fire. Hmm. There were also some witnesses that came forward stating that they had seen a man stealing a block and tackle, <clears throat> which is like a... a uh, it's the stuff that used to take engines out of cars. Yeah, it's like a, a lever. A lift, yeah. Uh, a cable pulley, pulley system. Yeah, cable pulley system. Yeah. Um, from their property around the time of the fire. Now, they would eventually arrest the man, and he admitted he stole the items and also admitted he cut the telephone line thinking it was the power line. Was this the same guy who had... Take the, stole the ladder and thrown it 75 feet away into a ditch. That the same guy or that a saying. different guy? Yeah. He's saying that that same guy stole yeah. their ladder and it ended up in a ditch 75 feet away. Yeah. And that's why it wasn't up against hmm. the house. I, I thought there was two guys in, in, interrogated, but I think it was I, just the one I guy. I only saw the one and that was just I, yeah. for the block and tackle. This guy. And there was also yeah. the mention of why the ladder wasn't where it was. Mm-hmm. And Jenny would state later that if the man had cut the power lines, she herself, her husband, and the four surviving children would have never made it out of the house. So. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's all weird because, so the phone call was at 1230, Mm -hmm. which that phone call ended up being, like they found that lady on the phone. It ended up being just literally a wrong number. There was literally nothing to it. It was just a weird thing that happened. But also, it, if that phone call hadn't happened, she wouldn't have noticed the door, the lights on, uh, you know, the the curtains not drawn, uh, none of that. So it was kind of. You really seren- think that that happened by accident? That phone call. That's. I mean, that's what the, the official statement is. They found the lady who called and said, "Oh, that literally was just a accidental phone call." That's the biggest uh, crock of shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> that's what she's saying. I'm not saying I buy it. I'm just saying. But then, like 12:30, that phone call came in, and by what one o'clock, their house was ablaze. So yeah. somewhere in between there, that guy had to have cut the phone between 12:30 and 1 a.m. Yeah. Like. Hmm. It's weird. Very weird. Mysterious circumstances. Now, there was also a bus driver who saw fireballs being thrown onto the house before the fire started, which 
was further solidified when Sylvia, who had later revisited the site with George, found a green shell in the yard that looked like a pineapple. And George would bring it to a military friend of his who said, I recognize this. It's what we, it's a napalm bomb, essentially. Um, like pineapple bomb. Yeah. How far, like, how long after like the... A, like a pineapple pen. How long after the... Pen pineapples. Leveled the land, did that happen? Um, It was, it was probably after, they were walking the yard, so it wasn't yeah, near the house, it was the surrounding area. <laughs> well, the shell of one. Now, in regards to the missing children, because, again, there are a lot of... Yeah, at this point, at this point, we haven't really talked about it, but Jenny and George are not convinced anymore that their children were in the fire. No. They are no longer convinced. They... they everything's suspicious to them right now. They they literally are like... You fucking think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they get they get into literally anything and everything you can think of to do uh, to get your kids back or try to figure out where they are. They do it like these are like especially the dad. He's been called super dad many times, and I agree with him. Yeah, yeah they they don't believe that they they did, but then mysterious circumstances. Like, hold on a second. I yeah, we, what, hindsight is twenty twenty. Like you look back and like wait. That was weird. Wait, that was weird too. Like, it's yeah. too many weird things, especially with all the fucking direct threats to their face about fires. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I don't. It's just, it's hard to ignore. Yeah. And there were numerous reports, um, after, of sightings in the surrounding areas. A woman who operated a tour stop about fifty miles west of their house said that she saw children the morning after the fire. I served them breakfast. There was a car with Florida license plates at a tourist court, too. And another woman would recognize a children's photo in a newspaper. And this was, I think, five years after. Um, and Weeks said, or years? Uh, years, sorry. It's five years. So she came okay. forward after the fact. Okay. She saw it in a newspaper and said she had seen him not four or five weeks after the fire. So she reported it five years oh, after. Okay. I understand. I understand. So she said this five years later, but she saw them. Five She's like, weeks yeah, later. yeah. Four or five weeks after the fire, I remember Got seeing it. the kids five years later. And she stated the children were accompanied by two women and two men, all of Italian extraction. I do not remember the exact date. However, the entire party did register at the hotel and stayed in a large room with several beds. They registered at about midnight. I tried to talk to the children in a friendly manner, but the men ap appeared hostile and refused to allow me to talk to, the, to these children. One of the men looked at me in a hostile manner. He turned around and began talking rapidly in Italian. Immediately, the whole party stopped, stopped talking to me. I sensed that I was being frozen out, and so I said nothing more, and then left. they left early the next morning. That's strange as shit. Yeah. So wait, two... Women, two Italian two men, men and two Italian men. And how women many children did they say? Four, four, four kids. Okay. They saw four. So that, that's ominous in itself. Like, what happened to the fifth kid? Mm -hmm. Why are they? But again, remember, this is five years after. And so uh -huh. when this statement came out, the investigators were like, mm, we don't believe it. No. You saw the pictures. Just, you saw the pictures in the newspaper, and that's how you uh, 
quote unquote recognize these folks and it yeah, just like if, the story itself they're like mm, it was too if long this after, is so. true though if this is true it, it reeks of like trafficking doesn't it like they oh, shush yeah. the kid up and then they leave before anyone wakes up the next morning like it's very like we gotta get out of dodge type of thing like they they don't do much yeah shut the kids up let's get out of here we're drawing too much attention and so we're gonna fast forward two years after the fire and still the Soders are not believing that their kids were burned in the fire itself and think there was some sort of kidnapping involved. And- yeah, plus the, in the past two years, you got they have been like wall of silence by authorities, their own local authorities. They're not helping. They're not doing anything more. Like they are all the times because what it is is a George – all these claims, George went to all these places in the country and investigated himself because he was not getting the local authorities to do it. They pretty much were like, these kids are dead, and that's that's end of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, if you bring us proof that they're kidnapped or trafficked, then we'll act on it. But as of now, this is a closed case to us. So they could not, could not get local authorities to do anything for them on their behalf or anything. So, like you said, he sends a letter to the FBI. He sends it to the FBI and received a reply from none other than J. Edgar Hoover. Although I would like to be of service, uh, the matter related appears to be of local character and does not come within the investigative jurisdiction of this bureau. Well done, sir. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, they resorted to a private investigator named C.C. Tinsley. Who, Ooh, fancy. Fancy name. Who, during his investigation, discovered that the life insurance salesman, the one that got all pissed off when they wouldn't buy life insurance for their kids and basically threatened them with doom, mm-hmm. uh, was actually a member of the coroner's jury and had actually mm-hmm. deemed the fire accidental. There's no motive for him to do that. <laughs> what? There's no motive at all there. This is nothing. No way, sir. No way. Sorry, I had a cough. You're good. And he had also gotten a curious story from a Fayetteville minister about F.J. Morris, the fire chief. And although Morris had claimed that no remains were found at the time... He supposedly confided that he discovered a heart in the ashes. He and, just didn't mention it. Yeah. Poor shit. And then he, he just had, yeah, he was, you know, he's holding up. He's like, now, hey, guess what? I've had a heart. Guess what? There's no fucking bones, but we found a heart. Yeah. But then he hid it in a dynamite box and then buried it at the scene. Oh, good. Now, Tinsley, yeah, Tinsley persuaded Morris to show them the spot and together they dug up the box and took it straight to a local funeral director who poked and prodded the heart and concluded it was beef liver. <laughs> Fancy. But was also untouched by the fire. Yep, that's, that's what he says he is, what it is, man. I, I believe him. Yeah. And that is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Why would he do that? Yeah, why would he do that? 
Yeah. He's a nice guy. Yeah. And soon afterwards, the, the Soders heard rumors that the fire chief had told others that the contents of the box had not been found in the fire at all, that he had buried the beef liver in the rubble in the hope that finding any remains would placate the family enough to stop the investigation. How would he want that? I don't know. I don't know. We're asking the right questions to the wrong people. Mysterious <laughs> circumstances. I think and so, what's that? What, you want to make a trip, trip down there? Yeah. Up? Yeah. Well, down for me. Well, Over. East. Over. Hip scop. Hip in a, hip in a, hip in a skip. Hop in a skip. Jump, hip, <laughs> jump, hip, jump. Hippity. Hip, hip, hop. Both hop, of you are broken right now. Hop, hip, hop, anonymous. There we go. <laughs> and now over the next few years, the tips and leads continue to come in. George saw a newspaper photo of school children. George saw a newspaper photo of school children in New York City and was convinced that one of them was his daughter Betty. And he drove all the way to Manhattan in search of the child and begged the parents to uh, to see the child, and the parents refused because he's a crazy person. That's- that's a crazy person thing I was about to say. Like, he drove across the country and expected just give me that child. Like, no, get the fuck that's, away that's from my, my kid, Betty. you crazy. Yeah. I don't care how sad you are. Don't touch my kid. But also, if they're like black market kid buyers, they're going to know that these people are probably going to be looking for their kids. And they're going to be like, no, sir, get the fuck away from me. I don't know. You're a crazy person. And then play it off as he's the actual crazy person when they're kid buyers. No, I think he's the crazy person in this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's looking for, he's grasping at straws, basically, when he sees someone that looks like Betty and just... I mean, yes, I do think that looking at a picture is a little weird, because a lot of people Mm. can look alike. And the fact that he saw this one picture in a grainy newspaper and said, I'm driving to Manhattan right now to get my kid taken. Yeah. My other kids were taken, too. I should have hired their set of skills. (laughs) Yeah. So Same that reason. didn't. Yeah. So that didn't. That didn't work out for him. Yeah. And in August 1949, the Soders decided to mount a new search at the fire scene, and they brought in a pathologist from Washington D.C. named Oscar B. Hunter. Oscar B. Hunting. Oscar B. Hunting. <laughs> That's what he was doing, and. <laughs> The excavation that was done was very thorough, more thorough than ever the, done before. The the two hours spent kicking ash around, kicking a few <laughs> few piles over. Yeah. Like, nope, nothing here. Nope, In don't see anything. Just yeah. kicking the same rock over and over. <laughs> and during their excavation, they uncovered several small objects. Some fire-damaged coins, a partly burned dictionary, and also several shards of vertebrae. Imagine how easily this could have been found earlier if they hadn't covered it with dirt. Yeah, well. Yeah, well. You're going to find out quickly. Hold on to that thought. Hold on to it. Hold on to your butts. (laughs) Because Hunter sent those bones to the Smithsonian Institution 
They investigated it and then issued the following report. The human bones consist of four lumbar vertebrae belonging to one individual. Since the transverse recesses are fused, the age of this individual at death should have been 16 or 17 years. The top limit of age should be about 22 since the centra, which normally fuse at 23, are still yet unfused. On these basis, the bones show greater skeletal maturation than one would expect for a 14-year-old boy, the oldest missing solder child. It is, however, possible, although not probable, for a boy 14 and a half years old to show 16 to 17 maturation. I didn't know this. Yeah, I don't know the Smithsonian was in France. It's not. Neither is um, a man from Washington, D.C. named Oscar B. Hunter. But this wasn't him. This was... Yeah, this, this was the Smithsonian. This was uh, some scientist. That's just what I imagine a scientist sounds like, so... <laughs> you know I don't what? know what you want from me. Now you know you can do a great French accent, so put that into your wheelhouse. Oh, thank also, you. Thank you. Like you had all the... I can't even do it. Well, well, it's a love language, and I speak Spanish, so. I'm going to have to get, like, whatever that language you change your panties or what? is. No. To help no? with, help with you accents. Like the, you don't like the French? Oh, just, literally, it's just trying it, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> I can do an English or British accent. I try, I try a lot, and I fall flat. <laughs> <laughs> but. <clears throat> I digress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I digress. Shit, I you 20 bucks. Yeah, fuck. Now, that is interesting. What does that yeah. mean? Out of all that riffraff uh, oh, science shit. talk, what does that mean? Like, you tell me, you guys. It means it means that someone died that isn't their kids. Whose bones are these? What 17-year-old died? Yeah. And where was it in the dirt already that he covered the hole with? They were or, keeping kids. They were having a sleepover. And those well, parents see, they forgot the, about it. They, they brought the dirt to cover the basement hole exactly. from somewhere else. So someone else is buried out there. Yeah. But somewhere. Also it was just pieces of the vertebrae. So it was never like anything else. It, so they could have just But it's still a human. It's still yes. human vertebrae. Yes, sir. You can buy human vertebrae. Um, you just buy human, you sure can. human vertebrae. I'll show you when we are finished. Uh, please don't. <laughs> please don't show me your, where you get your things. Yeah. Where you get your vertebrae from. Your witchcraft. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that A, it shows that the age of the bones that came from the partial skeleton um, mm-hmm. don't fit the age range of the 14 year old that should have died in the fire. <clears throat> they were untouched by fire. Mm. Um, and they believe that the dirt that was used to cover up the site. Uh, was f- close enough to a uh, nearby cemetery. So the fuck, they're letting mom go. and dad dig up dirt from a cemetery to cover their own burning. You kind of live in a area. So I don't know about your guys' area. I went to we visit ain't digging my up cemeteries here. Well, I went to visit my stepdad in Indiana when he lived in Indiana, and literally across the street from his house in a field was a. Old, like a 1800s cemetery, but it we wasn't down like, the street from one. yeah, but it wasn't like fenced off. You would just walk into this wooded area and then you saw headstones. I talk about the one in front of Walmart beside Walmart, yeah, that one right there. <laughs> nice, that has a tiny yeah. little fence. That's around kind of, it. 
tiny, tiny little fence. I think it's walk you right can in. walk so, into it, but there are headstones there old, that are like old. dated back to the early 1800s of death. Like the death date is the early 1800s. Some. And it's, it's on the street that we turn into our house. Yes. Ooh, that's scary. Mm-hmm. This was across the street from my stepdad's and it, it unmarked, no signs, no fences. We just happened to be walking through this forest area and we're like, wow, these are graves. It was, it was terrifying. That's because it, because it was like, jarring to come across. It was like, like dusk. It was like dusk. <laughs> so but you're walking and you're like, oh, what's this, what's this, con- what's this concrete? And you're like, oh shit, these are all fucking headstones. What do you mean? Like four or five pieces of a vertebrae would not have been buried in the ground. They would have been buried in a box, even just a cedar crappy cheapest you can buy box. They were yeah, but wouldn't bury would, them in the ground. Yeah, this but, is definitely a murdered person. They wouldn't. They didn't care to. But even then, the, you, the wood degrades quicker than the bones degrade. So, hmm. don't quote me on that. Someone I've needs to look that up. That <laughs> it sounds right. I just don't know I enough don't to argue. Think so why would you bury uh, them? In a box, if the boat bot, if the wood degrades faster than the body, because it's it's just a it, that, I'm going it with means false. okay, it right. means nothing. Putting someone in a fucking wooden box to put them underground, it does nothing. Mm-hmm. It's for it's like cemented in after that. You do you know they're put it's in not. a yes they, they are. I don't think in this. No. I don't think no, they don't. in this time they did. Maybe not then, but they do now. Mm, yeah, I've seen it. Yes, they are. They do. Okay. Maybe on top, on. so you can't dig into someone else's grave because they they stack bodies now. There's not enough room. You know what I'm saying? Oh, look over there! What's that? I said, "Oh Lord Jesus, it's a fire." Okay, <clears throat> we'll get off that topic. Now, the vertebrae showed no evidence that they had been exposed to fire, like I said before, and as the report had said. It is very strange that no other bones were found in the allegedly careful excavation of the basement of the house. Noting that the house reportedly burned for only about half an hour or so, 45 minutes, said that one would expect to find the full skeletons of the five children rather than only four vertebrae. Of the same person, too. Like, they weren't different vertebrae. Yeah. Yeah. And the bones, the report concluded, were most likely in the supply of dirt George used to fill in the basement to create the memorial for his children. And now the family refused to give up hope. They're like, after all this, our kids are alive somewhere. Mm-hmm. They started putting out flyers with their pictures on them, offering a $5,000 reward. And in 1952, they actually erected a billboard along the major highway. I don't have the highway number. Yeah, I I forgot. It's like 52 or something. Probably wrong. It's okay. Yeah. Route 66. Um, And (laughs) they ended up doubling it to $10,000 in a last-ditch effort to try and get some information. They didn't get any. Yeah, never got anything. In 1968, More than 20 years after the deadly fire, Jenny received an envelope in the mail postmarked from Kentucky with a photo of a man in his mid-20s. On the backside of this photograph, there was a cryptic message. Louis Soder, I love Brother Frankie. Illil Boys, A90132. 
Now, the picture itself bore an immediate resemblance to their missing son, with his dark curly hair, dark brown eyes, and his straight, strong nose. They actually hired a private investigator to see if this was indeed their missing son, but they never heard back from that PI again. Yeah, they gave him a bunch of money, and then the PI said, Meow, see, I'm off with your money, see? See, I'm going to go find him, see? Ha <laughs> ha. But see, also a more nefarious reason with that would be that he got too close to the truth and he was snuffed out. Or he just stole their money. Yeah. I'm going with stole their money. Okay. Final answer. <laughs> the Soders figure that if they publish the letter or the name of the town on the postmark, they might harm their son. Meaning... He, the mafia. Okay, right. We got it out. All these back to the mafia. Instead, they amended the billboard. They updated the picture of Louis with the new one, and hung an enlarged version over the fireplace. And in an interview with George, some time after, this was his statement: "Time is running out for us." But we only want to know if they died, if they did die in the fire. We want to be convinced. Otherwise, we want to know what's happened to them. He would die a year later in 1969. Following her husband's death, Jenny crept more and more into her shell. And for the rest of her life, she wore black in mourning of her children. The house that she was living at, the, their new residence, she kept adding more rooms into the house and built a big perimeter, like perimeter fence, mm. to like even more seclude herself. Yeah, it was really weird. Mm-hmm. Like, just create more distance between other people. She tended to the memorial garden at their former house until her death in 1989. The remaining family finally tore down the billboard and continued to publicize the case and investigative leads. One of their major theories is that the Sicilian mafia tried to extort money from George, and when they didn't get their money, they had their house burned to the ground. (coughs) But before burning it to the ground, they sent someone to gather the kids, the five kids, Mm -hmm. why they only took five, who knows, um, and bring them to Italy. Now, Sylvia Soder, who was the youngest child to survive the fire, she ended up living the longest. She was two or three when it happened, so. Believe that her siblings survived the fire and are still out there. Sylvia would die in 2021, but her daughter said, She promised my grandparents that she wouldn't let the story die, that she would do everything she could. And that's all the information we have. Yep, that's where the story ends there. I want to know. And now we get to talk about the interesting bits. Yeah. What happened? What the hell? All right, let's let's start. Let's start with Emily. I know you're dying to say what you think. So let's. Okay. So I have we're a, gonna give you we're gonna give you the floor. You tell us everything you think. Okay. I have a couple of theories. Okay. So one, yes, the mafia was extorting money, and he didn't have any money, but also his coming to the United States and suddenly you know, working for the man, then becoming the man wasn't just something that he had done on his own. So he'd had help from, you know, the Sicilian mafia, the whatever little island he lived on mafia, whatever. And 
he was sick of dealing with them and wanted out so he probably stopped paying or whatever but the mom had to have been on it she's not stupid like she's wondering where the money's coming from bills are getting paid kids are getting fed whatever so the five that are missing were the most easily accessible because they were one older and able to work but two they probably like had that ladder outside their house and snuck out normally like kids do they were shady little shits i'm sure but also they could have been in on it because they're like hey my we might go live with these new fucks who are going to burn our house down and make more money than we are not making any money with mom and dad not saying that they wanted their mom and dad to die and they wanted their siblings to die but i do not believe for a single freaking second that their house burned down and they were in it they were either you think, outside you think that they left of their own accord or that or they were led to leave meaning like they were told something's going to happen you need to leave or like hey let's go do this like by someone uh, someone led them out so they, they were the lured house. out they were lured yes, out not forced out okay. i don't believe that's how that could have right. happened because they were all older kids and can make a lot of noise i think the youngest one was five that they took well i don't know but anyways so i just don't think that that's a thing but also at the same time yeah. okay. i think the so, parents had something to do with okay. it you, oh, that's, you've been hinting at that the whole time. You, you think the parents allowed it to happen, kind of, is what I've been getting the feel from you this yep. whole time. But, um, okay, so let's say that is what happened, that they did get lured out or they just walked out by themselves. Where are they? Why haven't we heard from them? Because they're, like, in some sort of Sicilian witness protection program. Or they were sold on the black market. Well, not probably sold, but they were probably... They're living the good life, probably, and they don't want to be found. And this is a fucking story that people are making podcasts about and writing books about. And I don't know. They're probably the ones writing and adding to the damn stories. See, I think going off yours, I think more likely is that they were trafficked and sent to Italy and were sold. I think that's more like because then uh, what's that syndrome called where you uh, love your captors? Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm, yeah. I mean, Stockholm develops. You know, you start to trust your captors and they you know, love bomb you. And then they treat you like if you talk to anyone else, you're going to die, you know? So, I mean, that's, it's possible. I mean, and I know you, like I said, you keep hinting at the parents being involved somehow, maybe that they willingly gave up the kids because they did owe the money, maybe. Perhaps. Hmm. Well, that's a good theory. Uh, Will, what do you, what do you think? What's your final thoughts? <clears throat> well, if we take a look back at the picture, that was sent to Jenny. Shit, mm. this was my last theory. Oh, was it? Am I yeah, taking it's it? Right. It's okay. What, right, you know you about? Just, you can just add to it. You know about the number on the back? Yeah. What the A nine zero one three two is? It being well, the actually, zip I... code to Palermo, Sicily. It sure is. Yeah, I don't know about this. So go ahead, tell me. No, go ahead. Yeah, it's a it's a zip code to Palermo, Italy. Oh, okay. So it. Again, that being one of the theories into why it was mob-related is they sent the picture of their older, their now older kid with the zip code on the back saying, yeah, we've, we've got your kid. Hmm. I couldn't figure out what the I-L-I-L or I... Illil? Yeah. Hmm. Like, I was trying to think if that was like a boys' school or something or like there has to be some sort of... I don't know, like, an I love brother Frankie. That's a Catholic thing, I think. And the I, L, I don't know if it's Illil or Ill whatever. Boys. Yeah. The A90132, 
um, it didn't mean really anything because none of the solders were named Frankie, so they didn't really understand that. But then they knew that the 90132 was the zip code for Palermo, Italy. And they were thinking that maybe all the children had been taken by the mafia and then placed with families of members of the mafia because George had left mafia, I mean, had left Italy to escape their influence and didn't want to be, you know, under their thumb. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't think there's enough evidence uh, at the scene to determine that they actually died. Yeah, I don't either. Because <clears throat> again, with the whole how hot it has to be to disintegrate bone versus how hot the fire was and the duration of the fire and why there was only four vertebrae found and not full. Because you mentioned shortly thereafter, there was another house that burned to the ground with seven people in it and they found their bodies. Yes, they did. Like a lot of bones were left. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. So... Oh, and we, we didn't talk about it, but um, also Jenny was obsessed with trying to find her kids, but and she would go do experiments of her own. Oh, yeah. And she would burn animal bones and see how long it took to disintegrate, if it would fully disintegrate, and what was left after. Like she would do... Yeah, but chicken bones on the stove. Yeah, Lord she would do not. test after test. to Because she's like... If my kids burned up like they cremated in the fire, like the chief is saying, then this bone would also disintegrate in the same amount of time because it's direct fire. And it never did. Mm -hmm. So that's also why she was not convinced. So both of you are on the side of Taken? Taken. Taken or left. I don't know. Um, Taken or the mob was involved. But also, like, when I say Taken, I mean, like, yes, they could have been taken at, like, by threat but they could have also been taken with the promise of a better life and hey you come work for us like your father was supposed to do and we'll make sure you're set for life and they're like yeah fuck yeah i'm kidding i just want shit so yeah let's go do that but you can never speak to the public you can never your names are going to be different you can never contact your family again i mean kids are dumb they do dumb shit for money and dumb things yeah, but you got some pretty youngins in there. Yeah, I mean, a five-year-old, hey, I'll give you a fire truck. Come with me, motherfucker. Let's go. Cool, fire truck? Yeah. Yeah, but they were middle class in that area, so I don't think they had terrible lives. No, but I mean... Yeah, they, were, they, were, they weren't rich, but they were well off. They were comfortable. Yeah. For sure. Well, you want to own a fire truck, then? I'll give you a fire truck. Come with me. Hmm. I'm in. Know. But so right, yeah. you guys have given your two cents. Uh, I am going to try to convince you otherwise. So try. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> okay. So I need some creepy music for this. So the fire, right? We know that George is a truck driver. Uh, he has his own company. And he has two trucks, right? Mm-hmm. He has a basement. So he wants... No, no, he... The fire started uh, whether I think the fire was murderous. I think that the the sound she heard on the roof was them lighting their house on fire because of the insurance claims, right? And then the fact that he didn't add the kids pissed the guy off. So he's like, I'm going to make good on this insurance claim and kill everyone I can to get the money. So I think that was purposeful. So because he's a truck, and I heard this today, actually, and that once I heard that, I'm like, okay, these kids are dead. They're not gone. These, they didn't find anything because no one ever came forward because these kids are dead. 
So the basement of George's house, the, the Soder house, was filled with gasoline for his business. That's where he kept the gas. So during the fire, the gas uh, got consumed and made the fire not only hotter, but last longer. And that's why the entire house went down in less than 45 minutes. So the family got out that could. The other kids, uh, they didn't make it. And uh, they ended up falling through the floors to the basement. And then the basement... So the first floor landed on top of them. And then the top floor landed on top of that. So they're in the pile of rubble. And like I said, they did a cursory glance to look for bones, right? So no one really did anything for those first four or five days. They left it alone, right? So just because there's no flames doesn't mean that there's no embers and, you know, uh, hotness to the fire. They were smoldering the entire time. So they didn't get uh, destroyed in 45 minutes or the, even the eight hours. They had been cooking down there for days, five days. And then Mr. Soder, George took more dirt and put it on top of that, creating a hotter basement section. It never went out. It just, just there's embers burning at all times. It never went out. So they Turned couldn't find a, anything. A Dutch oven. It, yeah, they just made it hotter and hotter. So you think he had something to do with trying to keep them burning? No, no I, I I think he Then why he wouldn't is, he have thought his own gas basement, gas-filled basement was a reason and wouldn't have gone thoroughly down there and looked and stuff? Like, why would you cover think that he was, with dirt? Because he just watched his entire life burn also, down in front of him. He's covered in grief. Like I again, I don't think you're. I think you understand. I just think don't think you're attributing enough of what grief. He lost five kids. He's not thinking straight at all. Yeah. And he's trusting his local chief to not lie to him. I think a lot of people are in on this. Therefore, the uh, the chief told him lies. I think the police told him lies. I think everyone involved and the fact that the guy who had the insurance claim was allowed to be on the jury for it, the inquest, is bullshit. And it points to a more conspiratorial, like everyone's involved type of thing, because that's clearly a conflict of interest. That dude has money staked in this, literal thousands of dollars, um, at you know however much that translates to today, the claim was, but still, they let that happen. That was allowed to proceed. So everyone is involved, I think, and I think the Soders are actually innocent. I don't think that they're anything at all and i think if the only thing that makes this weird to me is that george claims to not have not heard screams or cries of help anywhere in the house so i i i'm not saying this is a perfect because i even i'm contradicting myself right now because the door was left the lights were left on the windows were left open and the door was kind of ajar i think they possibly walked out um one reason could be they agreed with the townspeople that Mussolini was not a jerk and they disagree with their dad. That could be a point of contention. I don't know. But I, I genuinely believe that the, by lack of trying, by lack of doing their jobs, they were allowed to uh, just disintegrate in the fire. And by the time they actually dug it up, how many, however many years later, to find those bones, there was nothing left to find. That's one thing. So that's what I think. I think they are dead in the... And they died by a Dutch oven, essentially. Um, but another more interesting topic is uh, they spontaneously combusted. All five of them. That's not oh, possible. Yeah. I don't believe that yep. for a second. 
I'm now reading how many gallons of gasoline does it take for a burnt to a body for a body to burn, not cremation, just enough to make the body unrecognizable. And it's and it's saying a lot of different things, but soaked gasoline. Well, there's multiple answers and stuff given, but so, soaked bodies with gasoline burn differently and quickly than they would if they were just put in an incinerator. It takes, if you're cremating someone, an incinerator, it takes 30 to 45 minutes to completely burn all of their stuff, their body, skin, bones, and everything to ash. So Hmm. that has nothing to do with gasoline. Gasoline, like when you ignite someone to burn them with gasoline, it completely changes the fire and the style of fire and the length of time it takes Yeah, this is a ton of barrels in the basement where everything is falling on top of it so it would just continue to burn so you're saying jet fuel can't melt steel jet fuel <laughs> fuel cannot melt steel it can weaken it to the point of falling though <clears throat> okay thank you mm-hmm. so gasoline could essentially burn hot enough to it gasoline is a is a fume like it once it's ignited it it becomes fumes yeah it it, it created a more intense fire suffocating in a room a basement with no way to escape so it will if you cover a candle with a lid the fire this is a wood structure there's slats like it's not like snuffed out and also everything is burning around it so it's creating oxygen and then it was created five or however many days covered with dirt and, and all of this stuff right I'm saying there's so they so have many things going every against. floor fell on top of the bodies so like I, the main point that i try to make during the episode was they did a minimum job of searching through the ashes so it's not like they dug deep i, th- I think they would have found something they if went, they had done the it basement. that day yeah that that day not f- years later because four days five days later george okay. soda's covering it you cannot burn human bones to ash. It actually no longer, it's no longer easy to get rid of a body. Now, I don't know how, why it's no longer easy, but yeah, no, what was. changed? The <laughs> ethanol? The ethanol? In the Nowadays, cast? after cremating uh, the, the bones, MSG in the food, they place the fragments <laughs> and they paste, they place the bones. Bones do not burn even at the center, um, the temperature of a cremation. So that is higher than a house fire we've already established. And they take the bones and fragments left over and put them into a bone grinding blender to add them back to the ashes to give to the loved ones. So, boom. Yeah, but you missed the part where I said they were cooking for it five days. It doesn't matter how long. You can cook them in George an incinerator Stoder. at a greater temperature for however long and nothing will burn the bone to dust. Nothing. Can we get some? Okay, so I don't know where they are. Fire folks. I don't know what happened. Can we get some, some gasoline uh, fire folks involved? Answer us. Yeah. Message us. Please tell us what you think happened. Yeah. Because clearly we have no fucking clue. Clearly you can reach us on our socials idiots. with all of these answers with and a microphone. Questions. Yeah. Please send us a message. Tell us what you think. Who's right? Who's more right? Is it me? And who's completely or, wrong? If it's no, not it me, me, then don't reply. Or, oh, it's definitely me though. That's the thing. <laughs> I'm the rightest. Of, of everybody. That is the wrongest thing you've ever said. Probably. So that was our episode for today. Episode one of year two is in the books. And uh, we will see you next week for Emily's episode. Emily, do you want to tell everybody the socials? Yeah, sure. Um, you can click our link tree on all of our social um, bios. We 
have Twitter at Bloodthirsty Times. We have Instagram at Bloodthirsty Times. We have Facebook at Bloodthirsty Times and bloodthirstypod at gmail.com. You can also leave us a message on Anchor on each episode. FM. Anchor.fm. And you can also now, we have done a podcast for creators option. So you can leave us messages on Apple and you can also rate us and review us on Apple along with rating us on Spotify. Awesome. Yep. See everybody. Yeah. Another great year to come. Love you. Bye.